are the Coin Boys, your average everyday crypto bros. That's right, it's Andy, aka producer, by the way, or producer BTW on Twitter. Sitting right next to me is Danny Gutz Gutierrez. What's up at D Gutierrez84 on all social media outlets, except for some. <laughs> what we would love for you guys to do is head over to thecoinboys.com and do your thing helping us out. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. But this is a really great episode i'm excited because it's a gaming centric episode we've been uh pushing to do a lot more of these daniel right yeah uh but this one is really cool because it's with a denmark company or based in denmark uh so couch that's right it's pronounced so couch and uh we have uh we have mark and suna suna and if you know they know that you know we their we names can't are pronounce very, their last names yes we, we tried but we, we had tried. them all the way over from denmark and had an awesome conversation on this episode about their video game ember sword that they're working on which is an mmorpg that's a massive multiplayer online role-playing game he didn't uh, look that one up guys he knew that that I was in his that. head so what does that mean that's like world of warcraft daniel that's like everquest like all these games where you know it's very you know who i played everquest with once who tom from myspace no way. Yeah. That's awesome. Back in the day when we had LAN parties. <laughs> With Tom from MySpace? Yeah. I, I got it. That's how I learned how to type faster was through EverQuest. Damn, Tom. Yep. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah. So then a lot of mainstream people that might not have been in gaming as they got older might not understand what that is. But the best way to describe it is open world sandbox where a community, you can build guilds together with real people in online and uh, trade items, you know, d- and get items. But... They basically came up with a game that's called Ember Sword, where it is a video game. It's absolutely a video game, Daniel. Mm-hmm. It's it's got we there's actually you'll see is a teaser of their trailer that they show some of the gameplay, but they don't want to reveal too much. Yes, and we find out later. Later on, <laughs> um, but uh, they are two awesome guys, well educated. They give us a little background, um, but I think pay attention to what they're trying to do. Yeah, we do ask the question and it's very and, and they answer it rather well. And the question is, if you're a non-gamer like myself to an extent, why should we be looking at this? Why we we should be paying attention to this? So listen for that one as well. Yeah, and uh we think that we think supporting gaming and crypto is very important because it's one of the few that's going to adopt fast for us. Yeah, it's going to help. And supporting a utility anyways that, that utilizes this, you know, should it be of good quality, which uh, we have absolutely every reason to believe this one is. Um, you know, I love supporting use. I love supporting the whole reason why, why we're doing this, an economy. So this is really fun. I, got, I had a lot of fun on this one. I'm just going to throw right to it, Daniel. Let's do it. Ember Sword... Developed and created by So Couch. So Couch Studios is the studio that we formed officially um, this uh, this fall, and it's creating Embosort, which is a fantasy and, as you said, MMORPG, which is short for massively multiplayer online role-playing game. So it's a fantasy role-playing game that's online, a bit like World of Warcraft, RuneScape, Albion Online. Uh, some of your listeners have probably uh, heard about those games, even those who aren't gamers, right? So that's what we're creating. That's the type of game that we're making. We're then using blockchain technology to do a whole sleeve of awesome things that I hope we'll get to talk about later in this call. But uh, that's the short version. That's SoCal Studios. We are a bunch of, uh, of experienced game developers. We've, been, we've all been making games before. SoCal Studios as a company is a newly formed company for the purpose of creating Embersort. But, uh, but we've all been in the industry um, for, for some time at this point. Wonderful, wonderful. So let's go back to before you guys uh, started SoCouch. Uh, where are you guys from? I hear some accents. Is it Wisconsin or where is it from? Wait, is it Georgia <laughs> or Florida? <laughs> so where are you guys coming from? Well, we were yes, both in Denmark. Yeah. Exactly. Were you guys both born and raised in Denmark? Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Yep. Actually, pretty yeah. close. Both Sunis uh, from uh, what's called Aarhus, I believe. And I'm from a close town to it called Greno. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very hard names uh, for you guys to pronounce, I'm sure. Yeah, well, yeah I'm not going to try. <laughs> Just <laughs> a quick cultural question. What is a very popular drink? Is it beer in Denmark or is it cocktails? Is it And what's a popular food in Denmark? I mean, we do like our beers. Yes. Say yes. <laughs> we do we, too. In California, we do. About yeah. food? Yes. What would you say, Mark? Like, what's, what's, the, what's popular? What's the Danish food? Well, I would say uh, uh, in Danish, they're called the uh, frigadella. Uh, oh, it would be, be like uh, meatballs with uh, it's like pork and um, 
uh, calf. You see. I'm, but, but, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in already. Uh, that <laughs> sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Not the Swedish meatballs. The no. Danish meatballs. The Danish. Yes, of course. We got to get that straight. <laughs> the real one. That's so funny. I, I don't discriminate. I don't discriminate. So before you guys started uh, So Couch, what did you guys do before? I mean, it's kind of a long journey. So uh, I'm 35. So, um, I mean, I started out really young, started making games, kind of on the, what's called a Texas Instruments, which was yes. kind of like, <laughs> yes, way before the, all the good stuff. So, and I kind of went from that to what's called a Commodore 64, and then from that to Amiga, and then to PC. So, I've kind of been living all this way through, and I started making, uh, like, websites really early when the net came out. <laughs> and I've been living through, like, when, you know, your mobile phone was basically a big brick. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, to what it is with, with nokia the indestructible yeah yes yeah, the time goes fast and for all this time i've kind of been building sites building mostly tech companies uh, done a lot of gaming too <laughs> um did like two of uh, the big teams in world warcraft where we uh oh. we kind of yeah so we built two teams called like nihilum and the other one's called insidia it was kind of like the later version and uh, no we did a lot in the, what's called like raiding so we're kind of like a, a force there and we kind of had the the record for a long time in what's called Nihilum. I think we had the record for. I don't want to. I don't want to be wrong here, but wait, I this was, was your guild, or yeah? Oh my god! You know, okay, just so you know, I played World of Warcraft, vanilla World of Warcraft. So I go All right, right back. yeah. So I understand. So he's talking about major raids where you know I had a guild too. But so you're saying you guys had a record? Oh yeah, I think we had the record for like one year or two months nice. or something, and also this also. Uh, Officially recognized us once in uh, one of that like post on Wow Europe, I think it was. That's cool. We were in European guild like um, mainly, so yeah. You are a kinda... serious MMORPG, <laughs> or so. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I Bryce love it. Also played a lot of other old games like says, but that's a much, not so much business related though. This we kind of turned into like a, a community side there and then built on with it. We started attending events and doing events of Blizzard and all that stuff. So around like 2009, 2011. Uh, if you've been to Gamescom, et cetera, and like been at the Blizzard booth, we were the guys like arranging the WoW stuff going on there. No way. Uh, from- I have not been able to go, and I really want to, and I, I plan on it. Uh, <laughs> I would love to. Oh, good times, though. I, that's what I hear. Oh, yeah. But I mean, from that, you know, it, things kind of always evolve naturally, I would say. So from that, we kind of start building like community sites and all that stuff. And from that, from being into gaming, like playing games, I kind of went into more like making games. Again, I would say, but I didn't really release any games prior to that. It was more like a hobby. Okay. So with this, I kind of started doing real games. And we I worked on a mod, which eventually became a game and a later Steam release. And then I worked on like a couple of web games. We've done a lot of like a plethora of web games that soon arrived in one of our <laughs> one of our texts. So we've done a lot of web games in general, what's called IO. If you know, like uh, the games called like Agarion, Slither and all those. I do. Like I do know those games. Like, those are cool. Not that I've made those two games, of course. Those are quite big. We've made a lot of other games in that range. One called like Tank Wars.io also. Nice. I played a bunch of those games. They're fun. They're, they're, they're fun games. There was oh, a... yeah, good times. I really like the concept yeah. that you don't have to download like a client or anything. You know, it's just instant instant gaming, instant download. Yeah, so I pretty much, Daniel, days. it's those days. <laughs> they're games like on the browser pretty much yeah. that you play. And they're, they've Quick, become like these... Simple. There's all these IO games. They're really cool. I put in Spider-Man 4 the other day, uh, and I just got back into gaming. Uh, I put in Spider-Man 4. I'm like, how come I have to wait an hour and a half for my game yeah. to play? <laughs> I think sense. that's actually, you know, talking about Imposalt, one thing I didn't mention was that it's playable within your browser. That's one of oh. the things that kind of came came natural from a force uh, because of the background <laughs> that some of us has from making web games was that, well, you know, we're making an MMORPG, but it should be easily accessible. You shouldn't have to download a huge client. You should be able to go to a website, click play, wait for a minimum amount of time, and then get in there in this huge open world um, with, with lots of other players around the world. Yeah, because the assignment starts to dwindle every minute. I, I watch my bar, like, loading. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, man, I got to get uh, PlayStation is known for low wait times. Oh, my goodness. There's some memes of that you should check out. <laughs> uh, so uh, <laughs> so but, keep going, Mark. Uh, sorry go about on. that, Mark. No, I, I no, I just uh, I just wanted to jump in because we're pretty close to 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 the time where we then started working on on Imbasort with yeah. Uh, Mark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right. so, the last time I worked on was Tangwas.io. So I worked on a couple of, like side projects as well, and we are also working on some other stuff, etc. So kind of like juggling a couple of things, but you know, Sarkat is uh, it's the one thing now. 
Nice. Yes, yeah, that's the one thing we're, we're all focused on. I, I have a background from from uh, from marketing in terms of education. I come from a marketing communication background, but also in terms of uh, in terms of my industry experience, I started out with a games industry news media for Nordic game developers called NordicGameBits.com, where we interviewed um, game developers, talked about their failures, what what went wrong, what went right, hopefully as well sometimes with their launches. Um, and so we I did uh, around 300, 400 articles on that site on my own. And we had um, some people writing articles for us as well. My goodness. And then from that, that gave me a pretty good a pretty good understanding of, of the industry here in the Nordic region. So Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Finland. And obviously there was a lot going on in Finland at that time with, with Rovio and Angry Birds and these right. mobile games uh, really starting to, to populate the scene and becoming super, super popular. So that was a very exciting time. But then I moved on to, um, I moved on to, uh, to working on a company called DevDoc, where we are we are developing tools for Unity asset developers. So Unity is the tool that uh, is the most popular tool to create video games in. So it's the tool you work in, kind of like Photoshop. If you want to work on photo editing, you work within Unity if you want to make games, or at least it's one of the engines, right? So mm-hmm. so I, I I teamed up with uh, with an old friend of mine from uh, from the Netherlands, who is now coincidentally also the CTO of SoCal Studios. Uh, but we created DevDoc, and uh, and we've been developing and selling tools for game developers. Things like a, a a quest system that allows them to very easily create missions and achievements and quests in games, for example, as one example. And and so instead of having to do that in code with our tools, you can do that just by tweaking some settings, and and you don't have to write a whole bunch of code on your own. Which means a designer could theoretically also do it and also make that part of the game. And with that company, we've sold. Uh, you know, we we have over one hundred thousand game developers using our tools. That's great. Um, so it, it grew it grew uh, quite a bit, and it was a lot of fun. And we started publishing for other developers as well. So not only developing our own tools, but also selling for other individual developers who made a tool, and we then would sell it and market it uh, on the um, on the asset store. And it went so well that we were actually invited to be part of the uh, part of Unity's asset store advisory board. They wow. put down an advisory board. Yeah, and and so so we're on that as well. Uh, that's it's a lot of fun and it's great to be able to uh, impact the the development of of that part of of unity as well um but obviously since socar studios is now the the one and only focus point we we've hired someone to to continue running devdoc and uh, and we're now working on on socar studios apart from that uh, i i have had uh, a couple of different types of tech uh tech websites tech related websites something about incentivized uh, advertising back in uh, around 2000 and 2010 or so, um, but yeah, that that's the major you know, games industry focus. Um, these these things that I've now mentioned. Apart from that, I've also taught some some uh, marketing and business development to newly founded game studios at an incubator um, here in Denmark. Um, you know where, where companies come uh, when they start their company, they, they can be part of this incubator and and get helped with things like marketing, for example. And so I I was the one helping them with that. Wow. Really quickly, because I know we're at the point where you guys are starting SoCouch. Um, is SoCouch, was the intention always to be a blockchain game development or was it supposed to be just a game developer and then you guys just so happened to wanted to also tack on blockchain? Well, I would say that the, the idea kind of came about with blockchain really because it enables us to do what we kind of always wanted to do with an RPG, you know, the true ownership and everything. Okay. Yeah. Right. So we, we've had, uh, actually, our creative director, Sage Durain, he has had the idea for Embersort for, for quite some time at this point. Yes. And it's just been kind of lying in his uh, in his drawer, and he didn't really know how to do that from the technical point of point of view. And uh, and so when, when blockchain suddenly became a thing, and, and we, started, we started looking into that, we had all been, at that point, already investing in cryptocurrencies, but we started looking more at the technology, at, at the blockchain technology. <laughs> And we realized that this would just be a perfect fit for for this game that that Sage had you know, had this idea for for quite some time, and it would actually allow us, as Mark said, to do what it was we wanted to do with the game in terms of the gameplay features and the way we wanted to open up the in-game economy, open up the entire game for the gamers. Okay, so now that we're on that subject, what I really want to do is now dig into this you know video game and project. So let's start actually with the game itself. So. The game is not essentially on the blockchain. It's the it's like the in-game commerce is. Though. Yeah, let, let's just dive into it then. Because yeah. um, yes, as you said, not the entire game is on the blockchain. That would be a horrible gameplay experience for gamers. <laughs> 
because of how slow the blockchain is. Even <laughs> if we moved it to a, even if we moved it to a side chain, right? Right. Um, or any other blockchain. Right now we're using the Ethereum blockchain. But even if we did that, having the entire game on the blockchain with potentially millions of players, uh, that would just never it would just never work out. At least not at this at this point in uh, in time. So what we do have on the blockchain are ownership of cosmetic items uh, in video games. So that would be all the epic hats and 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 pets and and funny capes and you know, skins for your weapon, small emote dances like you see them in Fortnite. Those types of things are on the blockchain, and you you truly own them as a player, and you can trade them freely. Then we've got so that's one token on the blockchain. We call it just cosmetics. Then we've got another token, which is the pixel token. That's the that's the ERC twenty token that you use to uh, purchase. Um, use it to purchase the cosmetics with, trade them between each other as players. And you also can use that to purchase a plot of land, a parcel of land in-game. And then as a landowner, you get to populate the world uh, of Imbosor. So you get to decide, should there be a building over here? Should there be a monster spawn, right? Where where players can go train by, by killing monsters. They can go train, level up. Um, or whatever should that be on your land, well, you mm -hmm. decide that. So we've got these uh, 1,344 parcels of land uh, which is a which is a non fungible token, uh, ERC seven twenty, and uh, and that's the last token. So we've got the cosmetics, we've got the land ownership, and then we've got the pixel tokens, which is used to to trade these uh, these two other tokens with. That's um, so. so are, that's it. So when we currently, because I you had a specific number for the land token, I was just really curious: is that going to expand, or is that basically once you own that land, you're the only owners of that land? Once you own that land, you're the only owner of that land. There's cool. only ever going to be 1,344 parcels wow. of land. And for any of your, your listeners who want to have a look at the map, because it's a bit difficult to explain with only voice, you can go have a look at our, our website, socouch.com. There are some documents on there. Uh, especially, I, I would like to highlight the, the business pitch on there. If you go look at that one and the games pitch, uh, you'll get a pretty good idea of, of what we're talking about right now in terms of how the world is is split up into these 1,344 different parcels of land. I'm this. This is what got me excited when I talked to you guys first because I like how because I feel like there's there's you know are video games really meant to be fully on the blockchain just yet? The technology's not technically there, right? I mean mm. that that's my question. I know there's a lot of developers having problems with that. Yeah, I mean I don't see why an entire game should be on the blockchain. The way I see it and the way we see it as a whole as a company, by the way, is that. We should only ever use blockchain technology if it helps create a, a new and better gameplay experience, at least in, in this case where we're making a game, right? But whatever project you're making, you shouldn't implement blockchain technology just to do it. So you should only do it where it makes sense and only in the capacity that it makes sense. That's why we're not throwing everything on the blockchain. Right now, if I buy a skin in Fortnite, for example, um, I'm not allowed to sell that to another player. You know, I buy these, these, this premium currency called V-Bucks and then I purchase this skin that makes my character look really cool, and I then want to sell it in the future, well, you can't do that, right? It's against the terms of service of, of the company. And why does Fortnite do that? Well, there might be multiple reasons, but the business reason is that they simply make more money if they don't allow you to trade it. Because then if, if, if Mark wants to buy the same cosmetic that I have, he too has to go and buy it directly from Epic Games, who uh, created Fortnite. So they earn more money, whereas if he could buy it from me, they would earn no money, right? But of course, players being players, they don't let that stop them. So they just sell their entire accounts instead uh, on, on uh, you know on eBay or these yep. black markets, and and yeah, that's very. But sorry, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I was kind of mentioned that I'm sure that uh, I don't know which one of you guys were playing WoW, but I mean in WoW there were a lot of account trading. Oh, I was. Trading. Yeah, uh, and you know, played. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure you read all the articles oh, yeah. about items being sold for like seventy-five thousand dollars. Oh yeah. So. So oh, I mean, shit. the market is definitely there, you know. Yeah, the market is there, but it's just it's just really insecure, right? And because who goes first? Do I do I give you my US dollars first, or do you give me your skin first, right? Or, or account information in this case? Yeah. So that's one of the things we could solve with the blockchain by by giving players ownership of items. They would know that they always own this item. They can always sell it. And hey, by the way, you don't have to go to an insecure third-party marketplace. You can trade it directly within the game for pixel tokens. And you might even want to cash out, but you can still do that. You can sell your pixel tokens. It's a, a liquid currency, right? You can go on an exchange and you can sell it for any other cryptocurrency if you want to. In the future, who knows what's going to happen? You could probably, um, in the in the very near future, even sell it directly for US dollars. Who knows? Um, depending on, on, I mean, there's so much happening in, um, in, the space. in that space right now, yeah. in the tech blockchain space. So 
I think it's definitely moving towards that point. Um, so so yeah. I, I've been away from gaming for a really long time. Uh, by comparison, that now the more the more and more I realize it. Has this been a, a something that gamers have been wanting was to trade? Because I hear all a, a lot of examples of you know they buy skins and they can't sell it. They buy, is this been it's something been that, forever? I mean, that ga gamers since have been online demanding? trading <laughs> and gaming has existed. Daniel, uh -huh. this has been an issue. There, there's been you know there's been you were just mentioning Fortnite. A big uh, I won't mention names, but someone a part of a big org sold. He wanted he bought like someone else's uh, Fortnite account so he could get some skins loaded for his streams. And he got banned for a few days for that. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah, because it's it's illegal technically. Because you know, Epic Games owns all that. It's it's a centralized setup. Yeah. But yeah. game. Yeah. Th this is the big connection between crypto and gaming. Is that gamers know microtransactions. They know what it's like to like mm -hmm. kind of own property in games. It, it crypto and blockchain makes absolute sense to this yes. type, especially this type of genre of video games where this matters most. Where you're owning the skins, yes. you're owning the land, and you're and what, able to transact. What I wanted to dig into, and I think is the best part of this and the most interesting for, for a gamer and someone that's played games like this, is the land token. Is It's like... You're you're right. Like maybe your game takes off, and later down the line, you know their land is valuable. Like regular houses in mm. real life are valuable. Like you know that they own their rights to that land in their game, and they could sell that to anyone they want, mm. right? Or they could sell out of it and get other things. Correct? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they, they that's a good point. So you could either sell your entire parcel of land if you wanted to, right, and hope for uh, hope that it might have risen in price. That would be fantastic like but you can also place for example a marketplace building on there and if you place a, a marketplace which is where people can trade their cosmetics for pixel currencies then on of every trade on that marketplace within the game you earn a transaction fee as a landowner so you earn a transaction fee in pixel tokens and this is very important not in in-game gold as that would make the game pay to win right because if you owned a plot of land you'd get a lot of in-game gold um, you'd be able to buy a lot of game-winning items. That wouldn't be a great experience for, for the people who don't own land, but you get a pixel currency, a pixel token fee uh, off of every uh, every trade on your marketplace. And that's just one example of, of ways that a landowner can actually monetize. They can get more pixel tokens by owning a parcel of land. And you know, with that pixel token, what can they do? Well, they can go buy more land if they want to, right? Uh, or they could uh, they could buy cosmetics, or they could even just sell it directly to other players because there's a limited supply of pixel tokens, and with new players coming in all the time, um, and and the existing players of course demanding pixel tokens as well to constantly buy new new cosmetics that are introduced each month. Um, you know, there, there is a demand. There's going to be a demand for these pixel tokens. So it's up to you what you want to do with them, but you can monetize as a landowner, and that's I think going to be really really interesting. So. A quick question about the land, just because the, the number is so low by comparison to how many you know potential customers out there. Can you sell a piece of your land, or do you have to sell the full parcel? So what we're, you have to sell the the whole parcel at this point. Okay. What we're gonna do is that in the future, maybe not at launch, but in the near future, we're gonna allow you to rent out your parcel of land, or even rent out maybe one fourth of your parcel of land. Okay. Um, so yeah, so 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 you could rent it out to to a player. Let's say let's say that the land gets pretty expensive, right? Let's let's assume that for for, for a minute here, uh -huh. uh, and it, it might reach a price that's above what the average gamer would be interested in paying. Well, that's that's where renting comes in because the average player might be interested in having control over the game world, and they can do that by by becoming landowners, um, and so they can rent it for you instead, like uh, like rent it for for a certain amount of pixel tokens every month at a rate that you define. And so that means your neighbor could choose to to lower his rent price, and, and people might go there instead, right? But but that's where it's you know it's a marketplace, it's demand and supply, just like in real life. That's because you're the first. We've talked to a few other gaming centric tokens, gaming centric um, uh, um, other people, but you're the first person to tell us about this to sell land. Everybody else has um, talked to us a little bit about skins and other things, but this, especially if the game takes off, the land itself, I think <laughs> I think you guys are. Uh, opening up Pandora's box with this one, because <laughs> um, I have a feeling it well, should we take off. Well, we are kind of flipping the script as you're writing, you know, kind of, yeah, kind of flipping the script as yeah. you're writing in some other tech too, and uh, you know, kind of turning the kind of normal business model on its head. Yeah. So yes. 
Yeah, that's one thing we haven't talked about, actually. Uh, good yeah. point, Mark. So, so whereas normally game developers would sell cosmetics, right? You see that with many blockchain projects as well. Right. You sell cosmetics or you sell some sort of in-app purchase, whatever it is, you sell that to the players. Uh, we don't do that, right? So we don't, we don't pre-sell our cosmetics either. What we do instead is that we distribute them through gameplay. So through PvP, player versus player uh, objectives, and PvE, which is player versus environment, basically go out and kill this boss monster in-game. Yep. Through those types of activities, you as a player will earn cosmetics for free. Like you don't have to pay, you just have to play the game and be good at the game. And um, so PVP, PVE objectives will reward you cosmetics. That is how we distribute the cosmetics that are introduced each month to the players. And then the players trade them between each other and we get a transaction fee uh, of, the, of that marketplace activity. So that's how we as a company monetize. And then we have a optional, uh, optional non-paid to win monthly subscription as well as a way to, to monetize. That will give you something like a, a fancy title, a unique pet in game, for example. Things that don't impact. Uh, it doesn't make you stronger at the game, but it looks, makes you look pretty, pretty dang cool. <laughs> I was just talking about the artist workshop. We have an artist workshop so that uh, no user can submit like work. So they can make an emote, they can make an animation law, they can make uh, those skins, etc., and then they can um, like upload them into our artist workshop, and people can vote on it. Oh. And then maybe they'll get into the game the vote is not 100 dependent on it getting in but it's like a strong indication of it that, that's actually yeah, really and then cool. yeah then once it ends up in game as i as i explained it, it's then distributed the next month through these gameplay activities some players are going to get this item at a, at a certain quantity you know there's a limited supply so let's say it's 1000 right there's 1000 of these capes that you've designed as an artist and then now in the game, your your the thing you created is now directly within the game, and it's being traded within the game because there's only one thousand of them, and there might be a million players. So there's and it looks really cool. So there's lots of demand for it. And in the future, since there's never going to be printed or created more of these capes, they're only going to be more and more valuable because as more and more people come into the game, there's more and more people who who know that they're never going to get that unless they buy it. And so if they buy it from from the players willing to sell it, you as an artist get a transaction fee as well. And that goes on forever. So you could basically create that. That's our vision that that we would have some artists who would be w able to basically set up an entire shop of just creating items for the game that people really love and they're traded within the game. And that's a way for them to to earn pixel tokens. Uh, I really, I really, really like it, and it's really cool to uh, as a gamer. Like I think you guys hit it on the nail that it really like. I guess this is something that a lot of people are were wanting in this genre of video game. And now I'm, it's all clicking really well. Um, yeah. And I think you guys like hit the whole point of cryptocurrency too, like ownership, true ownership. And, and you guys are very passionate and focused on that side of it. And I think that's great. And uh, kudos to you guys for <laughs> caring about the gamer's chance to own his own stuff in a video game. Yeah. Uh, which I, it's, it's very I cool. I would say he's the best made in heaven with yeah. blockchain. Yeah, it really is. And uh, we're seeing... All, uh, all we need is virtual reality to catch up to blockchain gaming, and we have Ready Player <laughs> One already ready so, to go. Um, can you guys do me a favor and break down the story of the game? Just let's let's get to the, the video game and a little bit about what is the story behind Ember Sword? What is the gamer getting Ooh. involved in? No, no, no. We, we are, we are... <laughs> go for it. We're not ready to, re we're not oh. ready to reveal that. Okay. We actually yeah. have... <laughs> oh, well, then we don't have to reveal that. No, no. But what we can, we can say, though... Yeah. Oh, yes. What can you say? We, we, I love this. We have uh, not a whole lot, but there's, there's a little bit here, okay? Okay. Um, hang on there. So okay. We have a really awesome, right? Just take my word for it for now. We have a really awesome backstory uh, that's being, being written by, uh, by a person that I think Mark should introduce. It's someone Mark has worked with previously. Um, oh, yeah. who's, who, who is who's really, really great, yeah. so just in a moment. But he, he's writing this huge backstory for Embosword, and we will have story for the different types of characters uh, within the game and all the quest lines that you can experience within the game. We, we definitely, we are focusing on that. It's just, we, we it's going to be a bit of, we want it to be a bit of a mystery, right? Sure, so we're sure, going to reveal sure, it sure, uh, sure. slowly, a bit of a, uh, you know, bit by bit. But Mark, maybe you should introduce Sam. Oh, yeah, well, his name is Samuel Horson, and he's a Hollywood writer. He's been writing on uh, like a few different things, and for a lot of companies, he's also a ghostwriter. So, you know, a nice. lot of his stuff is kind of secrets. But he, he's a really amazing guy. We know each other from World of Warcraft, actually. So he used to write for for me back in Helium when we had our website. He was one of the uh, like cool. the staff writers. 
So we know we know each other from the trenches. We uh, usually say, <laughs> "Nice, wow, way back in the day." Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of we kind of connected again, and he's been doing doing his thing over there. So kind of looks good, and he's as soon as he's writing a story, and so far it's uh, it's really mind blowing. I would say. Well, we we did see the teaser, so you know it gets me excited, and I'm I'm a you know I'm a gamer. I want to know I want to know <laughs> answers now. You know what I mean? Like you guys got me excited because I do plan because obviously you guys got you on the show. I plan on playing this obviously and supporting it i uh, plan on buying land so <laughs> here's the thing though i really appreciate that you guys have you know you're very open about how the economy system works in the game what what a what a crypto gamer will expect from this video game and i think also this might help bring in new people and help them understand what blockchain technology is that's another important yeah. side of it yeah we really want to be transparent i mean that's one of our main things also one of the things that's Sue and I is talking about a lot when we're out talking. And, you know, we, we want really things to be out there and to be out in the open. I mean, like our white paper and all, it really mentions everything, you know? Yeah, yeah and, and I mean, you look at the gaming, you look at the gaming landscape right now. I don't know how many of your listeners uh, are gamers, but for those who aren't, I, I just, I think it's, it's, it's perfect to just quickly introduce the fact um, that loot boxes and pay-to-win monetization is really ruining the games industry. And and you see, you know, game developers earn a lot of money, yep. but you see uh, players really just hating it. I mean, look at the Blizzard yes. announcement of, of the, the Diablo mobile game, right? <laughs> There's a huge that uproar. That was hysterical. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to dive too deep into that, but there was, there was a huge uproar uh, from gamers for a lot of different reasons, one of them being that they were afraid that with uh, Diablo coming to mobile, it would have a way of monetizing the game that wouldn't, uh, they would really only focus on on the big guys with lots of money to spend, um, and it wouldn't really be a nice a nice gameplay experience. And so, with you know, with with creating with creating Imbusshold, we kind of want to steer away from from the whole loot box mania. And uh, you know, if you look at the EU, at least you see Belgium, you see the Netherlands, you see these types of countries slowly banning loot boxes because it's essentially gaming. Uh, gambling, sorry, it's essentially gambling. Um, yes, at least that's what they rule. I don't want to get into the politics, but that's what they decided to rule. That's all I'm saying. Interesting. And that's... so we want to show a different route. We want to show a different way of monetizing a free-to-play game that, that doesn't ruin it for gamers. And and we use, of course, all our experience from playing many or many of these. I would say we've played every major MMORPG out there, like between definitely, each other. Definitely. And 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 so we've we've really spent a lot of time looking back at those games and saying, okay, so from what we know as developers but also what we know as gamers what is it we would love to do? like what is the gameplay experience we would love to see at this point in time in the gaming landscape and that's you know at, all of that is what we then pour into into Embersold. as a um, I'm, i don't know if there's an answer to this question so but i'm going to ask it anyways uh maybe you guys can, sure. can give an answer but as a non-gamer as somebody who doesn't pay play MMORPGs or or you know has stayed away from games for a while but now with this new inclusion of blockchain as a non-gamer should I be paying attention or should I should I um you know if I want to be a part of this economy should I just start jumping in or or what, what should I be looking out for as a non-gamer in regards to to this stuff do you guys know yeah so I can just jump on and Mark, you can just jump sure. in if you want to. But but I think um, there's primarily two different things, right? Mm -hmm. You could either um, you could either look at the pixel tokens and and say to yourself, well, all right, so there are lots of blockchain projects out there, cryptocurrency projects out there with very little utility, uh, and that's that's one of the, the things you typically look at as as a crypto investor. I mean, we we've, we've all invested in crypto as well, and that's the thing we would look at, right? Is there actually a need for this for this token? Um, and so you have that question and then you look at the game space, even though you're not a gamer, you look into the games industry from an industry, from a business point of view, you look at it and you say, okay, so there's over a hundred billion dollars earned last year in the games industry. Um, and you look a bit further into it, just some, some market reports, right? You, you don't have to know the games industry. You just look at the reports and you say, okay, so, uh, more than half of that, you know, over $50 billion of that is spent, uh, on some sort of digital item within a game. Right, so it's not spent on buying the game at a full price, but it's in free-to-play games where you spent some money on some sort of currency, a digital currency. It's not a cryptocurrency, but it's a digital currency. Um, and so you look at that and say, okay, there's lots of people spending a lot of money in the games industry on these digital currencies. What would happen if these digital currencies only existed in a limited supply instead of an unlimited supply? 
right? And I want to, I'll let you do the conclusion on uh, for, for yourself, but but basically there's a limited amount of t uh, pixel tokens and, uh, and you know, if the game succeeds, there's going to be demand for those pixel tokens. You could look at it and say, I have a chance, an opportunity to buy part of that, uh, part of the total supply of pixel tokens, right? And then, then, you know, I could use them within the game. I could use them to purchase land, right? Land would be another thing. And that's the other thing I wanted to mention was land. Again, we talked a lot about land, but, but as a, even as a non-gamer, it, it might be really interesting and it might be a, a way to also, you know, learn a bit more about, about games and about the games industry. You don't have to do a whole lot as a landowner, right? In the future, you could rent it out, right? To, to other players and you would earn pixel tokens, which you could sell back to, to new players. So I would say absolutely, right? Uh, if, if you don't know games, this is, I think this is still interesting. I think blockchain is going to be, you know, it's, it's going to see its, its huge surge within the, um, and popularity within the, in the gaming space, because it just makes so much sense. And that's, you know, you see companies like Ubisoft looking into blockchain technology as well. I mean, yep. it's, it's not the small players anymore, right? It's no. not just you know, small companies and grassroots stuff. It's big <laughs> companies looking into blockchain. It's... You also see people like uh, buying land, decentralized and flipping it, et cetera. Yeah. You know, I would think that it's probably something that's going to be more and more of common. Yeah, I mean, yeah, more and more common. I mean, you you actually yeah. see that in Fortnite as well. It's just because I think Fortnite, uh, again, I want to keep it to to the <laughs> fo focusing on the non-gamers, but I think everyone has heard about Fortnite. Yes. Even as a non-gamer, you've heard about almost Fortnite. They, I mean, it's almost impossible. I mean, they they made $350 million in May 2018 alone. One month, $350 million US dollars. Yes. That's, I mean, that's news you hear about if you're just... And they're making business. just a little under that a month still, probably. So <laughs> it was yeah. one month they're talking about, but what about the other months after that month? Because they're making a lot of money um, and it's yeah, very yeah. mainstream, like you said. They're still making a ton of money. But, but what I wanted to say was just that in that game, you had people who had bought a cosmetic item that was sold last year and it, it hadn't really been introduced again. So that cosmetic, which if you remember what we talked about earlier, it cannot be traded. You cannot sell it unless you sell your entire account, which is illegal against the terms of service, but people do that still. So because of that cosmetic that was somewhat rare because it hadn't been produced in a very long time, people started selling their accounts just to get that, you know, get that cosmetic item. That was the only reason they, they, right. they would want to spend money on an account just to get that one. But then what happened? Fortnite didn't like that. What did they do? They reintroduced the cosmetic again, right? So it, it fell in value because now there's, you know, now everyone can get it. And, and you'd have these people who, who, who flipped, you know, they, they, they had bought it and then they sold it at a higher price. As Mark said, people do with land in Decentraland. It also happens in mainstream games. It's just illegal, right? As um, according to the game developers, at least. When I say illegal, I mean against the terms of service. Yeah, of the yeah. Game. and I'm not going to jail um, for that. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I but, will but say... My point was yeah, go ahead. But we, that we can, you know, in Embosort, we can prove scarcity. So cosmetic items will never be introduced again. And you don't have to take our word for it. And you know this if you know the blockchain, right? You can look at our smart contracts that define how cosmetic items are introduced. And you will see they are open source. You can find them on GitHub. Um, once they release, of course, but um, you'll be able to see for yourself that this item is never going to be introduced again. So if I want to flip it, if I want to buy this and hope to sell it for more money in the future, I can absolutely do that. And I can do that and I can sleep you know, safe at night knowing that this item will never be introduced again. I know that I have one out of only so and so many of this item. Wow. Wow. Thank yeah. you so much for that explanation. That's a wonderful explanation. Yeah, that was really well done. And um, so, okay, so... We kind of know how everything's going, but what what is your timeline looking like, guys? Uh, how long are we in development for? How long have you guys been in development, and how much longer are we looking at? What are your timelines like? Well, we've been in development for like uh, the most of this year, kind of started on it, and then we're looking at Q4 2020 uh, for the game release, maybe Q1 2021. Okay. But there will be others within that, of course, and price that, all that. Yeah, so people will be able to, to you know, get access to the game earlier than that, especially people who own Pixel tokens. They'll get access to, to alphas and betas, definitely. But full release, as Mark said, full release is in yeah, 2020, early 2021. 20, uh, That's not too far away. No, it's not too Considering far away. Considering the I mean, time is flying by <laughs> lately, like it's already the new year. Of yeah, practically. time flies. Time flies. So, it really does. So when, yeah. you guys, uh, when you guys started this, you guys started the SoCouch first and then you and then you went and um somebody already had the game idea for ember sword already to go and you guys just decided to marry the two or did you seek this person out or how did how did that come along 
Yeah, so maybe well, guess, Mark, you, yeah, you can introduce sure, how you sure. met Sage. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I kind of am the uh, binding point for everyone, sort of. So I kind of met Sage actually online <laughs> oh, okay. through making the IO games. So we kind of met each other in the community, and we're sort of like the same age, like 80s kids, etc. So we kind of had like a connection quite instant. There's a lot of young guys in the like browser game development, and it's a it's a different different kind of community. So we kind of fell in uh, quite quickly and became friends. And we really just started talking. And uh, you no, know, Sage has like you know, a, a lot of game designs, and he's uh, really a brilliant guy who's worked on a lot. And he's, you know, he's drawn art for so many different games. And the most amazing thing about it is that it all looks, you know, great. And you no, know, to add to that, you no, know, he's he's actually colorblind, which kind of makes wow, sense. Huh. yeah, really baffling that he has this ability to really bring these colors out and really bring them to life in wow. a in a unique way. I would say. I mean, there's something drawing about his. His artwork at least i mean that, that really drew me to him yeah uh, so, the artwork is, def is definitely very beautiful for, him, for that for that to be a situation <laughs> oh yeah so but through that and we talked about this thing he showed me his things and we we, we saw the game etc i know ember saw back then so with blockchain and that coming out kind of got the idea about that we could actually do this thing with the ownership model that through blockchain so quickly got in contact with sooner then sooner you no know, had yours and then we quickly were four guys right instant and then we you know started talking and figuring out how we should make this game and soon and I spent a lot of time just sitting and drawing and thinking about how to really you know, make this work on the blockchain etc wow uh so I think we've covered a lot and uh obviously we are excited to follow along this journey with you guys and we're going to update as things progress with you guys over the and I hope to uh, you know, build a relationship with you guys and support you guys. And I, I, I just kind of have one more question for you guys, okay? This one's pretty... pretty this is really hard and serious. It might be hard. And, and you know, every time we have a gaming-centric guest, I started asking a question, and it's a simple question as, what one game influenced you in your life the most? A video game. And, and we'll start with whoever's ready first, because it's on My the guys. spot, and <laughs> you got to give me something. All right? Monkey Island. Wow, okay. Why Monkey Island? Why Monkey Island, which is a point-and-click adventure game that I played yes. and I love too. So tell, yes. tell I me mean, what. I, 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 I mean, it's, I guess it's a lot of nostalgia too, but I really love those games because you want to start out with as a young kid. You know, I didn't really know English, so my dad taught me like what, what does pick up mean, what does talk to mean, and all these things. So I would just take one item, just click on it, or like everything, and find out how it works. So through that, actually, was taught to uh, taught English like before I actually so cool. started to learn English in school. And I became really good at it. So those kind of games kind of has this uh, like what to say like affection value to me because not only did it teach me a lot but also taught me a lot about problem solving because in these games you have to use like a really some really crazy things to make oh, yeah. stuff work you know like um i think there's a place where you have to go over like a line so you have to use a rubber duck like a rubber chicken to put it on the <laughs> line and have to like fly it over it, it and as a kid you know as a really young kid like five six it's uh that that's quite hard to figure out you know so it these was. crazy they really helped you like think out of the box back then and i think that helped me a lot in in like making things and making projects really well i could uh just stay on the monkey island topic is i could relate i had a very very attached to point and click adventure games as a kid as well i was my favorite was the space quest series um oh, Ro yeah. roger wilco there was just yes. something i it was the Futurama before Futurama even existed. Um, Love Futurama. Yes. My favorite show. But did you notice uh, Roger Wilco represents Zap Brannigan to me? I feel like Zap Brannigan was molded off of Roger Wilco, which... Actually, could. Uh, we could sure. go down this rabbit hole, but I'm so great you said Monkey <laughs> Island. Now, what do you got for us? Go well, okay. So, I would, I would have to say, I, I have to mention this game, even though it's... Uh, you know, it, it's RuneScape. RuneScape. There's wow. no game I think that has that has impacted me more than RuneScape. I don't play it anymore any longer, but I did a lot back in the early 2000s, um, and and up through you know throughout you know over many years I actually played it on and off. But I played it in in a slightly different way than I think most other people did. And and if you don't know, RuneScape is an MMORPG, a bit yep. like Imbasor. Um But the reason I really enjoyed it was not really to go out and kill monsters or or level up woodcutting or whatever you could do in the game. Uh -huh. But what I loved was just buying cheap, 
selling high. I got addicted to the market. Like, uh, it's <laughs> all about just, that gold in RuneScape, isn't it? It's all about that gold. That's right? all they say. So it's like, all about I, that gold. <laughs> I would, I would start out, and, and I think this is a fun throwback for those who played RuneScape. I would start out with as soon as I had just a small stash of gold, I would start buying feathers, and I would sell them at, at such a small margin. Like, I would buy them for, I think like one or two gold and sell it for two or three gold, right? And um, and I would do that and then I would move on to big bones and I would move on to, to more expensive items and I would do that. And they this was so great before the before the auction house was a thing um, or the exchange where, you know, I could go in on one server and I could buy it from, and this sounds so bad, right? I could buy it from people who didn't know what it was worth <laughs> and, and I could go on to a more populated server and I could sell it for a higher price. That was, um, that was great for me. And I think maybe that has also influenced the fact that we want to, uh, we want to create a, an MMORPG now, even though I wasn't the one who came up with the original design, but I just loved, I was drawn to this idea of an MMORPG where there was an open economy, where, where these things had actual value, right? Because I, I know how much I loved doing that back in, back in RuneScape, but I also felt limited. So, yeah, I think that kind of naturally moved, moved on to my interest for, for Embersol. That's awesome. Those were two great uh, choices, guys. And, yeah. uh, it bring, you know, I'm, I'm, Daniel is a gamer. He's more of your casual, like, grew up playing video games, but I'm, I'm like you guys, I'm pretty deep into it. So I, I come, I know what, like I played a little RuneScape, but I, I wasn't for me. <laughs> Just that was the only thing about RuneScape. Uh, cause there was an addictive nature to RuneScape, like you said, you know, like, so, oh, yeah. Yeah. um, I also had the quit quite hardcore. Yeah. yeah. When I quit world of Warcraft, I literally quit cold Turkey and said, that's it. I'm done. He took out smoking so he could quit. It was like quitting, <laughs> it was like quitting smoking. I was like, that's it. I think a lot of us had it like that, really. You had that moment, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you're, you're not alone. But guys, uh, thanks again for, I know it's a little later there. Uh, thanks again for making the time coming on the show. Uh, before you guys go, can you tell our audience where they could find more information about the game? And of course, we're going to link and also maybe uh, attach uh, the teaser trailer to this as well. But feel free sure. to tell us where we could find you guys. Go ahead, yes, Sona. perfect. So you can go to embosort.com if you want to see more specifically about the game, if you're a gamer. But I would assume most of you guys are crypto and blockchain enthusiasts. So head over to socouch.com, socouch.com. Um, and on there, you can find all the different documents. You can find our social medias. We're on Twitter. We have a very active Discord server, so definitely join that if you're on Discord. Uh, but we also have Twitter, Facebook, Telegram, and all the usual stuff, uh, Reddit as well. So go join us there. And by the way, if anyone is interested in 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 the token sale, we are. That is how uh, that's how we're funding at this point. Is the token sale that's coming up very very soon? We've got a private presale, uh, that is just about to launch. So depending on when this is out, it might have already started. But uh, reach out to me if you're interested in in participating in that, and then we'll have a public crowd sale as well in at the end of Q1 2019. But socouch.com, um, and you can get all the information on there. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Cool project. Great guys. Very, very, uh, very, very nice guys. Yeah, and well-spoken. Their English is excellent uh, and goes to show you that, you know, that part of the world is well-educated. And actually, they're gamers through and through. They're, they're, we talked about Isn't MM. is that where Ninja's from? Ninja? No. Where's he from? He's not from the... He's American. The, is he really? Oh, who am I thinking of? PewDiePie. PewDiePie. <laughs> oh, my God. You mix Ninja Is PewDiePie Pew like a gamer too? I just, Hell yeah. Okay, gamer, making yeah. sure. He, uh, you know, he's had some problems. I, 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 yeah, well, let's stick to Ember Sword <laughs> and So Couch. And Which, these amazing guys, yeah. Mark and, uh, and Suna. Suna. Uh, I met, you know, we, we actually had a conversation before coming on the podcast. I had a great time with them then. So I knew that we would have a really informative episode. They know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they want. And guys ownership inside a video game true not just trading items we're talking about like land in, in this in this game where building on land is important they even talked about renting land so you're talking about like the, yeah real estate using cryptocurrency inside of a video game it's digital real estate i remember through crypto. i remember when uh when i had just gotten out of gaming to hear people saying oh I, i'm i'm selling this from my half life or i'm selling this on the on the uh, on all these different all these different games and i'm like you can make money doing this like i don't have the time to do this to, to patiently do this but something like this sounds like a fun thing to do if i wanted to kind of be involved in the economy because i'm assuming that if we're renting it out i don't really have to do much else other than rent it so 
sounds I can be my own like land baron. Oh, that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's yeah, and I like how you're someone that doesn't really come from a big MMORPG like background. So say that real fast. It's hard to say more MMORPG. It, it's MMO crazy RPG. that you looked at me and you said he he did really say that off the top of his head. It's yeah, not yeah. easy. Um, but I grew up watching my brother play some of the early ones, which we could talk about as Astron's Call. I remember walking in his room, and I was like, and he was just, you just see a guy, like him hitting the keyboard, go running, mm-hmm. and all I see is like this guy running through like woods, just straight, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm traveling. <laughs> gotta get to the other <laughs> side of the map. I gotta get this thing. I was like, okay. But that's when I was introduced to it, so I kind of got it. Um, anyway, I am so glad they're on the show. Now, obviously they didn't want to reveal a lot of the story and I give them credit because you know, that's something I'm, I, I was so into it. I was like, what's the story behind yeah, it? Tell me everything. Tell me like the lore. I love that. I'm as yeah. a gamer, as a game, there's the lore of the video game, you know? So we will find out as they release things. Uh, and of course, just check out updates on their project. They said they will have a demo eventually and, uh, and get a chance to, to have an opportunity to find Pixel probably on an exchange or something so that you can jump in that game and play it. So, Yeah, I'm definitely excited. Um, this may be the one, the one game that I'm going to get back into that's MMORPG. Maybe, if, uh, um, if I can figure out how to play it again. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed it, Head over to thecoinboys.com, go to your Google Cl- uh, your Google Play, SoundCloud, or iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe, um, and feel free to email us, thecoinboys at thecoinboys.com. Uh, we'd love to talk with you. Um, also, we're trying to get in touch with local businesses that uh, accept Bitcoin, accept cryptocurrencies as a form of payment because we wanted to do something fun with them. So if you uh, know a local business, uh, send them over to us. We'd love to talk to them. Yeah, and again, go to thecoinboys.com. Everything's there for you to find where you need to go and check out our blogs. We have a blog section as well. Some merchandise, Daniel. Uh, We cannot forget about BitNinja and our merchandise partnership. Yeah, he made some pretty cool shirts. We have hats and headphones. I'm excited. Uh, Please check out on our website, there's a merchandise tab. Please check it out. Even if you're not into buying uh, the headphones or the t-shirt or the hat, check out some Coinboys merchandise. We wore them at WCC. People like them, I feel like. And they were well made, Daniel. We got to wear them. Uh, Thanks again. I'm Andy. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Bye. Thank you.